On today's show, we're going to have a reselling conversation with a Poshmark seller whose closet has nearly a quarter of a million followers. What is up, Galaxians? Welcome to episode number 200 <laughs> of the Galaxy CDs, Rocks, and Flips Reseller Talk podcast. My name is Ryan, and I will be your host for what I hope will be a very interesting conversation. We're going to delve into something today that I know virtually, uh, let's, let's be real, I know nothing about uh, fashion, <laughs> accessory sales, and Poshmark. <laughs> uh, and I'm super excited to be joined today by someone who's been selling for over 10 years, has over 6,500 listings over there. And as I said, over 221,000 followers. Please give a warm Galaxian welcome to Annette from Excess Baggage. <laughs> Hello, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. I'm super honored to be part of this. I can't tell you your show is amazing. I, I just have so much respect for the work that you do every week. And it's become a touchstone for me weekly uh, to hear what is the new Galaxy CD podcast have to say this week. So thank you. And thanks for having me. I appreciate that very much. It's uh you're on social media, you know, the struggle you work and you do all this stuff and, <laughs> and hope that it resonates with people, but you're never quite sure. So it's always nice to hear. And I, I very much appreciate it. If you could just take a couple of minutes and let everybody know kind of who you are, where they can find you on the socials and all that kind of stuff. Sure. So you can find me on Instagram. Uh, I started TikTok a little while ago as well. Um, I mainly sell on Poshmark, as you mentioned already. Um, I also sell on some other platforms like Etsy, uh, Grailed, um, a little, little, little bit on eBay. And I'm sure we'll talk about that. <laughs> um, and Poshmark is really my main platform. Uh, uh, moneymaker, my main platform, if you will. I also sell on Depop. I'm starting to get more into that platform. Um, I have a Facebook group that's called Excess Baggage, um, believe fix, flip, fix, flip, some combination of that, uh, where we talk about like fixing and flipping um, bags and leather accessories. And that's really what my platform and my Facebook page is about and my Instagram platform. Um, I talk about reselling accessories, fashion accessories, mainly bags, but also shoes um, and anything that falls under the accessory category in fashion. So hats, scarves, um, cold weather, that sort of thing. Um, and it's a lot of leather rehab as well. Um, and that all comes from my background as a uh, handbag designer. Um, that's what I went to school for. And I worked in the fashion industry for 10 years uh, before sort of like switching gears and coming into reselling um, full time. And then I still do design on the side, but it's much more on a freelance basis. Um, and it's not my main source of income anymore. Um, so my platform has really just become about sharing all that knowledge um, in studying to become a accessory designer. You know, I did fashion history, fashion sociology. It was a very well-rounded education. And I share that um, on my platform on Instagram mostly. 
And um, I feel like it's it's just like all kind of come together. It's giving me a great edge being a fashion reseller. Um, I do sell clothing. Uh, that is a big part of my business, but it's not what I talk about on my social media platforms. I felt like there was enough resellers talking about flipping clothing and fashion, um, and they already do such a good job, but there really wasn't anybody talking about um, how to flip bags and accessories exclusively, what brands to look for, what makes one more expensive than the other. Um, you know, what do you do if you find one that's kind of an iffy condition, but you, you know, it's a great brand, you want to flip it, how can you restore it or uh, fix it so that you can resell it for a great profit? Um, I talk about all of that on my social media if uh, anyone's interested. Awesome. That's a lot going on. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little busy. <laughs> no doubt. I, I, how do you get to a point where you've got nearly a quarter of a million followers on Poshmark? That when I went to, went to your page and I saw that, I was like, "Holy cow! That is amazing." You make that sound so impressive, and <laughs> you know, it, it's really, it, it's really not that impressive. Um, I, I've been selling casually on there since I think like 2015. And I really started going hard back in like 2020, 2019, around that time. And I have to give a lot of credit to my Poshmark bot, um, Posher VA. I have an affiliate link for that in my uh, bio, <laughs> if anyone's interested. That does a lot of like auto following and auto unfollowing now for me. Um, and, you know, like a lot of Poshmark features, um, they don't really mean that much um, in terms of like making sales. So it sounds super impressive, but it's really not that impressive. See, so way to make, make me look like a fool for <laughs> <laughs> No, no, no. You you were very dear for saying that. <laughs> so talk to me about the, the whole virtual assistant thing, because I see that uh, being it seems like it's a lot more prevalent for mm -hmm. people who sell on Poshmark. I assume that's because of the big social aspect of the site, the sharing of the closets and all that yes. kind of stuff. Uh, walk me through how that works. So on Poshmark, in order to show up at the top of the search feed, you need to share your items. And so when I started, I, like many other people was like, gosh, this takes a lot of time and I don't have the time to do this, but I have to do it in order to make sales. So what can I do? And I started immersing myself into the community and learning from other people and bots were just gaining popularity at that time. And it was still very like, nobody's talking about it. It's technically not allowed on the platform. Um, Nobody's admitting to using a bot, but then I later discovered behind the scenes, like everybody was using a bot. Um, so what did what has Poshmark done about that? Are they still like anti the bots or have they kind of thrown in the towel and said, oh, we already know everybody's using them, so it's fine? I think officially they're against them, but unofficially they have thrown in the towel um, because everyone's using them. And it's, if they were to expel everyone using them, um, they would really kill their user base. Right. Um, there's also been a lot of loud vocal criticism from other resellers in the community, especially women, because this platform is uh, known for kind of being geared towards women that, you know, if you are trying to really be supportive of women running their own businesses and being posh bosses, 
um, you know, this this is not conducive to like it's not sustainable for someone to do every day. You know, it doesn't make sense. Some people claimed that they were paying other people to sit and share their closets all day. And that was a whole fiasco for some people. I never did that. Um, but people said, you know what, we you should allow automation on your platform because it's required to make sales and no one can feasibly sit all day and share their closet five times a day. Um, right. How so, would you get anything else done? I mean, you how can would you get out to, to source new stuff and, you know, fix stuff and take the pictures and do the listings. And if you got to sit there and share, you got a closet with 6,500 items in it. I mean, <laughs> you'd be living there doing that. I think it is it is a problem that has gotten out of control from the initial Poshmark vision. Um, I think when they designed this, they saw, you know, people using it as a way to sell a couple of things from their house and not as a full-time business. And this is my biggest criticism of Poshmark to this date is that they have not yet embraced the people on the platform making a full-time income and wanting to make a full-time income on there. Um, I wish they would give us some distinction so that when people were shopping, you could tell like, oh, this is just a person selling a couple of things. And, oh, this is a a, a small business essentially right. um, selling on the platform because it makes a big difference in terms of um, the effort that goes into the listing, the kinds of offers that you can accept, um, why some buyers don't understand, you know, that I'm not going to drop what I'm doing and go sort through my bins to find a, you know, answer to one of your questions about like the thigh measurement of a pair of pants, let's right. say, you know, like I, that, you know, and you, then you want, and then you're going to make me a lower offer. Like I've put in more time on the listing and, no, That's my favorite thing ever. When yeah. it's, when somebody asks you a million questions and they send you some lowball offer. <laughs> it's it's really, yeah, it's not good etiquette in my opinion, but <laughs> all that to say that I, you know, there's that they're still not clear on um, you know, how well they support the people on their who would consider themselves business owners, small businesses, and are reselling full time. Um, I hope they do in the future. They were recently bought out, um, as you know, um, and I think we're going to see a lot of interesting things coming because of that. One of them you already talked about recently in an episode, which was they are trying to do a promoted listings for beta in beta right now. I are think that's their answer to Poshmark bots. Really. I think they're not necessarily mad that people are using bots. They understand that it's really not feasible to share all the time. But I think they are mad that they're not getting their share of the profits because you do have to pay for those services. Um, I don't know. It's just a personal theory. I could be totally wrong, but I do feel that promoted listings beta for them is just a total cash grab um, of them wanting to see, you know, people are willing to pay for a uh, sure. bot, why wouldn't they be willing to pay for promoted listings? Um, I well, don't think I, it's going to work. Yeah, I think that's probably would be true if it was, it became just one or the other, if they got rid of the social sharing aspect of it and just went with, you can either promote your listings or not and let the cards fall where they may. But I, like you say, I don't see them doing that. I see them stacking all that stuff. That's eBay is notorious for that. 
have their fees and then promoted listings and now promoted listings advance. And they just keep adding on uh, their, (laughs) I sell in books, obviously. And uh, when I first started doing promoted listings, the recommended rate was like five and 6%. Now, every time I go in to promote, they're asking for 10%, which I just refuse to do. But you can see the same thing happening over there. They're going to get a taste of that money and it's just going to get more and more and more. Are you in the beta? Are you doing a, the promoted listing? I was deal? not selected. I, I did go in and I guess get on the wait list just to try it out. But after I learned how they were structuring it, I'm really not enthusiastic at all. I, I think you have to promote your whole closet and um, you get you pay per click not per sale. Oh gosh. Yeah. That's and fun. that's never going to work because let me tell you, I mean, people are on there clicking all day long, left and right, and it never leads to a sale necessarily. So, right. but who knows, they, they may change that between now and the future. So I, I don't see it working, frankly, because of the sharing feature, you know, if people are able to promote their listings that are paid, what's the point of sharing your closet? Right. Um, Unless they, you get a, a double dip bounce doing both, you get, yeah. you know, your credit for the share and then you also get top placement for paying the extra, the pay per click model on that stuff. To me, eBay is trying it. And in some categories, it probably makes sense. But mm-hmm. in a lot, like you say, you get four or five million clicks a month to do four or 500 sales. That math is not too pretty. (laughs) No, it's not. It's not. So we'll see. We'll see what they end up doing, but I'm not a fan currently. I I think they're trying to fix something that isn't broke. And there's definitely other things that I think would help sellers that they're, they could work on that they, people have been asking for years and um, we just haven't seen that from them yet. So but yeah, promoted closets was not one of them. <laughs> right. What about the, uh, the the posh shows, the live selling? Have you done any of that? What's your yeah. opinion of that? Yeah, so I tr- I've done three shows personally. Um, one was really super successful. It was on vintage coach bags. Um, and I think that was because I talked about that a lot on my social media. And, and a lot of my audience came from my social media over to my Poshmark uh, sale that day. Um, so I may do that again, but I don't see myself as a seller that does that regularly. Um, I'm quite introverted and, you know, being on camera is still something that I'm trying to, you know, grow and and push myself out of my comfort zone with, but it's not something I like doing all the time. Um, but I could see myself, you know, if I figured out, you know, certain shows like a vintage coach, bag show did really well for me. Maybe I do that once a month or once every couple of months. And, um, you know, if if people are interested in that, they could follow me on Instagram or TikTok and, and, um, find out about the shows that way. But, um, I don't see myself doing whatnot. You know, it's just, I'm not a person who's like allured by fast money. Um, what's the old maxim, like the, the slow nickel or the fast dime. I'm, I'm the slow, I'm the, sorry. It's the fast nickel, slow dime. Yes. (laughs) I'm the slow dime for sure. Um, you know, my business model, um, is a high profit per unit or high PPU as I abbreviate sometimes. So that means I'm looking to make more per item and sell less items. Um, 
And so I'm not a person that is, you know, I liked, of course, it'd be great to sell out quick. But if I don't, I'm okay with that because I've put a lot of time and effort into sourcing and in some cases, cleaning and rehabbing my items. And, you know, the SEO on my listings is something that I'm constantly tweaking and improving. I put a lot of behind the scenes effort into my things. So I'm looking for a certain return per item. And I just don't see shows being a great avenue for that. They really seem to work well for volume sellers. And also people who love to be on camera and entertain and have a personality. I think that's fabulous. And if it works for them, great. It's just not something I see for my business. Yeah, I think it's a, a another opportunity for sellers to try a different avenue to make some money. And it, if it's not for me, it's not for me. And that that's fine. I, I'm all for them having that opening. Uh, what not to me just seems like a race to the bottom. I don't I haven't spent a lot of time on there, but it seems like it's mostly people trying to get rid of stuff that they shouldn't have bought in the first place. Kind of, you know, like I do a lot of bulk buys, so I could probably get on there and sell, you know, lots of mm-hmm. you know, 15 Clive Cussler books for a buck a piece, but I just it's not something I want to go through. Yeah, <laughs> the, totally the understandable. So Talk to me a little bit about the transition into reselling from mm-hmm. fashion. What what prompted that and why did you make that decision to get out of the handbag design and start doing this? That is a fabulous question. I really wanted to slow down um, and I wanted to own my time and I wanted to see a direct reward for my efforts which I really wasn't getting in my previous full-time corporate career as a handbag designer. Um, There's a lot of politics. There's a lot of toxic workplace situations. Um, The way they control your time is just frankly like silly. you know, you, you may not have work for eight hours, but you're certainly stuck at your desk for eight hours. And it, it, it was just, it was almost like being in high school, honestly. Um, but like the adult version, <laughs> I joke and, all the time that life is just middle school on repeat. It's just the, the people that you're with and yeah. the stuff you're doing changes, but the, the atmosphere is still the same. The, the gossip and the, it's just, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, they those companies love to reel you in with like, oh, we're interested in diverse thinking and, and different types of people. And, you know, we need new ideas. And, and, and then you end up just doing like something that's 1% different than what you guys did last year, because, you know, it sold really well. Um, and it just it just didn't it didn't align with my values. It was frankly draining the heck out of me. Uh, mentally, my bandwidth was shot every day. Um, I was commuting like an hour plus into work sometimes, uh, which was also very draining. Yeah. And I'm just I'm learning as I get older that I'm I really appreciate peace. I really appreciate quiet. I really like to work on my own time. And I'll be the first to tell you I am not the most efficient with my time. You see those resellers like touting hustle culture and like, you know, time is money and I got a hundred things photographed in two hours today. And like, no, I, I wanted to get away from that. I wanted to get out of that. I'm, 
I don't care if it takes me two hours to get 10 things done. Like I got it right. done on my terms, on my right. time, the way I wanted to do it. And I got to take breaks, um, which is something that I'm finding is like super important to me um, in, in the corporate world. When you go to work, you're on all day long, um, you know, with maybe with the exception of like the five minutes that you go to the bathroom or something, you, you've got to be on, you've, you've got to, you can't lie down. No one, you can't put your head down at your desk. You can't right. take a nap. You can't, you know, what, you know what I did for breaks? I went to the water cooler and filled my water bottle. <laughs> right. That was my break. And I just, I wanted to get away from that. Um, I just felt like I was designing more and more things that frankly, nobody needed. Um, I'm really interested in sustainability and that was never something that anywhere I went, people were interested in. It was always more expensive to do. Right. And so for that reason, it was off the table and reselling really combined a lot of my interests in a really beautiful way. It's, there's a huge amount of sustainability in oh, purchasing absolutely. and selling, as you know, secondhand things. Um, I had all this history and knowledge about fashion that I really was never able to utilize as until I started doing fashion reselling. Um, you know, the history behind pieces, the construction, um, the different types of fabric, that was all knowledge that I had that I really wasn't using in uh, as a handbag designer. Um, but as a clothing reseller and as an accessories reseller, I can. And um, what else? I, I still utilize a ton of my design skills um, in social media, creating posts, uh, creating videos, which is something that I actually have really enjoyed, um, surprisingly. As long as you're not on camera. <laughs> as long as I'm not in the <laughs> It's just the bag or the whatever. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? That's okay. Like, I, I, I realize, like, there's different styles of doing things. Oh, absolutely. And you know what? My style is just a little bit more quieter. I think that was that was a challenge for me when I first transitioned and I wanted to do social media. I was like, wow, everybody's on camera. Everybody's so loud. Everybody's so personable and entertaining. And I don't know if that's me. And then I just kept watching and looking at what other people were doing. And I realized, you know, there might be a quiet way to go about this. There might be a slower way to go about this. And it's not other people's way, but it's my way. And that's valid, too. Oh, absolutely. So I started developing a style, which if you watch a couple of my reels, you'll kind of get the gist of um, people started loving learning about bags and nobody was talking about them and exclusively. Nobody was sharing, you know, why, what made them special? How do you know, you know, what's a more expensive construction? Why is this brand good and not that brand good and all that stuff. And um, I, I found people wanted to learn and I'm happy to share uh, all that I know with the community, uh, especially if it helps people pick up more bags and save them from right. going to the bins or the landfill. Yeah, I'm all for it. I, I want people to make money from watching my content. That would, to me, be a success. Yeah. Now, I noticed you have fairly significant followings on both. It's like 9,500 plus over on TikTok and about 6,500 on Instagram. And you've got a, a terrific website, by the way. Oh, with thank you. Also just <laughs> tons of, let me see if I can call that up here. There's all kinds of 
like tutorial videos and the whole nine. Uh, it's just, it's really remarkable. One of the things I have in my many pages of notes here is Aww. again, how do you get all of that done? Uh, I assume that some of the content is probably repurposed, but mm -hmm. um, talk to me about your use of social media and the website for that purpose. Well, the, the landing page is essentially a blog of what's happening on my Instagram and um, it's actually a little bit behind, but it, it, it's so that I have a place where I own my content. Um, last year in February, I got my account, my Instagram account was shut down. I guess it got flagged by a bot or something for like, I don't even know what, but I, for three months, I, I lost the account until I got it back and it was devastating. Um, as I mentioned, I'm a I'm an introverted person. And so for me, social media is a wonderful thing. It's a way that I feel community. It's a way that I express myself. It's a way that I connect with others in a safe way on my own terms. And so losing that uh, account was just devastating. And so when that happened, I said, that's it. I'm doing a website. And um, every couple of months, I cross post things that I've done on Instagram over to my blog so that if I ever lose it again, people have a place to find me. And also I still have access to those videos, which are things that right. I created. Um, you know, in short, don't trust the social media platforms to safeguard your content. Whatever right. you post on there is really not yours. Yeah. Um, well, and it's so too easy to get. Yeah get the band hammer brought down on you first, you know, you get some troll that just doesn't like you for whatever reason and they report you or Lord knows what. I mean, you see horror stories all the time of even on YouTube, people getting false copyright claims and whatnot. And all of a sudden their channel that they spent years building is taken down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That that's essentially what happened to me. And I had already spent like, I guess two years, three years building it. Um, so that really birthed the website. And from there, I, you know, started adding things that were needed, like, you know, a resource page. People ask me all the time for links or what am I using? It's all on there under my toolkit page. I have an FAQ, um, you know, the usual things like about me. I also have a vintage coach catalog resource on there that I'm building and encourage people to participate in building. It's an open resource. Um that I really just want to, uh, people to be able to go over and ID, ID their bag easily by looking at the picture and, you know, some details about each of the bags. Um, so that's something that I add to as well when I can. It's constantly changing and evolving. Um, I'd love to have all vintage coach bags represented at some point, but we're not quite there yet. Um and yeah, it, it's, it's worked out pretty good. You know, um, it seems now, like, there, a, sorry to interrupt. Is there, is it all like a labor of love or is there a financial <laughs> reward for all of the, the tutorial videos on TikTok and the, the amount of time spent on that? Cause it doesn't necessarily tie back to getting people to go to your Poshmark page and make a purchase. It's all very informational. Here's how you can make money. Here's how you can do this. What is there a more than a psychic benefit for you from mm -hmm. all of that? Or is that enough? <laughs> no, great, great question. I, I definitely see myself creating revenue streams from this effort that I've been building. Um, 
I'm not quite there yet, although I do have a uh, consult service for people who need help rehabbing their bags or want an authentication opinion. Um, but you're only charging like a couple of bucks for that. Am I, yeah. did I see that correctly on you your- did. On Yeah, your, it's like, actually yeah. a steal right now. <laughs> I want to go um, find a bag just so I can pay the $2 <laughs> to get some like expert advice. <laughs> well, the authentication is $2. I'm not in any way like an accredited, you know, bag authenticator if there is such a thing. Um, and it's it's really just a way for me to- get a little bit of something back for my time because I do have quite a few inquiries coming in all the time. And it, it does take a couple of minutes, you know, five, 10 minutes here and there talking to people. So um, the whole process is done on Instagram. You just purchase whichever service you want and DM me pictures or videos of whatever the bag is and, or, or the accessory. And, um, you know, I'll spend five to 10 minutes, you know, giving you my opinion if I think it's real or not and why. Um, or if you've purchased the um, the other service, we'll talk about like products that you could use to fix whatever issue your bag has or rehab your leather. Um, it, it's really just a way for me, like I said, to get some kind of return for doing that um, quite often and for people to support the page and support the content. Um, I also have a link on there, like buy me tea, you know, some people right. have done that. Like, you know, they were grateful for something they learned or saw on my page and they sent me a couple bucks and that's great too. Like that's, I, I have no problem with those kinds of things. Some people do, some people don't want to take the time to set it up. But for me, like I engage with the community every day. I'm grateful when I learn from other people and I'm happy to support them using their affiliate links or, you know, giving them a couple bucks for coffee. Um, I don't see why the, op the the opposite isn't, you know, can't be true right. for me. And, um, you know, it's, it's totally if people want to, you know, I give tons of free content on my page that anyone is free to avail themselves of. And you know what? Some people just don't have the time. They don't want to look through it. And that's totally fine too. Like, you know, book my $3 service. Um, right. I'll, I'll answer your question pretty much same day. So, you know, we live in a world now where increasingly it's becoming a, what do they say? Is a like a educational economy. Yes. Um, I, put in a lot of time and money and effort to learn everything that I learned at school. I have two BFA degrees, um, one in accessory design, one in um, art and illustration. So yeah, I have a lot of ground to cover and if right. people would like to pay a little bit for that, um, they're welcome to. Yeah. Well, and they absolutely should like the, whatever they say, you know, you hire someone for a service and it takes them five minutes and they're like, why was that so expensive? And it's like, cause it took me, 10,000 hours of education yes. that I had to pay for to be able to do that in five minutes. So there is definitely value there. You mentioned the authentication thing, and I see a lot of noise about fakes and counterfeits, particularly it seems like in handbags and fashion generally. How big a problem is it really on these platforms? And do you think the platforms are doing enough to try to stop it? It is a, a bigger problem than I think anyone realizes. Um, I don't know that they're doing enough to stop it. I think, you know, eBay certainly has made very uh, intentional moves to do that. And I think they're continuing down that path because 
you know, on their platform, any any buyer can call something counterfeit and essentially like win the case, right? There's just right. it's there's a big there's a big problem between nobody can really tell. And this is what I say on my platform. There's there are third party authentication services out there, and if you want to do that for your peace of mind, by all means, but do not for a second think that that certificate is going to mean that eBay or Poshmark or any platform will side with you if someone claims your item is inauthentic. And in fact, um, I get a lot of people in my Facebook group coming over and saying, hey, my listing got vero'd or, or removed on eBay. Um, it's a vintage coach bag. Like, can you tell me why this is fake? And a lot of times it's not fake. It's right. just somebody for whatever reason has made a claim against the listing and eBay ha just takes it down. They don't tell you why they don't require right. whoever's reporting it, I guess, to provide reasoning or proof that it's inauthentic. Right. And they, they don't have to prove that it is not authentic and you don't get the opportunity to prove that it is. I mean, it's a double-edged sword. You can't win. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, it's a big problem because though that's money that's not being made on eBay or, or other other platforms. Um, Poshmark is heavily criticized for not doing enough to remove fakes that are obviously fake off their platform. And I do agree with that uh, critique. Um, I think we're going to see more technology developed around combating this problem. Um, and I do want to mention one of the things that's not really talked about is once you identify a fake, what can we do with it? Uh, truthfully, I have no good answer to that. Um, and it's a, it's a big problem because then these bags or these shoes or whatever the item is becomes unsellable on a platform. So yeah, you could give it away, but most of the time people just end up donating it to a thrift store because it's a perfectly usable item, right? But it's it's a fake. It's illegal. You can't sell it. So well, and thrifts the cycle continues because yes. I, as a thrifter, go into the thrift store and I see the bag and I think it's for real and I buy it and I put it back on there. That same bag may may cycle through the system two or three times. <laughs> exactly, and it's 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 a big problem that there's just nothing. Like, what can we do? Can we upcycle these bags? What if we remove all the logos and then can we sell the bag? Like, it becomes a waste problem. Um, and I and I just want to mention that because we people really understand the problem of counterfeits, but nobody talks about the dark side, which is once we, you know, confiscate them, identify them, what do we do with them? You know, nobody wants to throw away a perfectly good item, but it's a counterfeit. <laughs> so what do we do? Please, yeah. somebody out there, let us know. That's a tough one. Yeah. Absolutely. Walk me through uh, a day in the life of someone who sells on Poshmark and where uh, you kind of mentioned some of the other sites you sell on what's, what are the pros and cons of the different sites that you work with? Well, I love selling on Poshmark because I'm a small seller and also a fashion seller. And I think Poshmark is still one of the best places to sell fashion along with um, Etsy and I would say Depop and Grailed. Um, a day in the life is, you know, my mornings are pretty slow. I'm not a morning person. So um, I like to either, get. You may have seen on my Instagram <laughs> today that my cat got me up at 530 this morning. So. Oh, did he? Did she? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I got a lot done today. But yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, listen, I fluctuate sometimes in the summer. I'm up earlier than I am in the winter. But for the most part, my mornings need to be very slow and I ease into things. Um, I like to go out into the garden and, um, you know, just kind of relax and drink my tea and think about my day and get some sun. And then I come in and um, I might start working or I might have some lunch. Um, either way, I'll sit down. Um, I try to do a couple of listings a day, five to 10 listings if it's like a regular day. Um, and then, you know, I'll see what needs to be done. I'm constantly rehabbing some kind of bag. So I may need to clean bags. I may need to condition. Um, I may have some clothing that needs repairs. I may work on that. Um, now, as you're doing those things, are, is that content generation for you as well? So I've got to fix this bag or this belt yes. or whatever. So I'm going to whip out the camera and do a tutorial on so you can kind of kill two birds with one stone kind of thing. Absolutely. You nailed it, Ryan. You asked me earlier how I get all this content done. And frankly, I think I don't make enough compared to others. But a lot of it is just filming on the fly or getting an idea and kind of sticking with it till it comes to fruition and um, having the foresight to film when things are happening. Um, and also, you know, done is better than perfect. Uh, I am by no means like the best cinematographer, uh, the best editor. Uh, sometimes Instagram glitches on me and my captions are not working or the song that's not playing in the right timing that I want. Um, I just keep, I keep moving. Uh, through whatever those challenges are and on to the next one. Um, it's been working for me. Some of that is there are, I, this is probably a controversial opinion, but I think there are two different types of people in the social media YouTube space. There are those of us who are sellers. That's our primary business. And we also just happen to generate some content. And then there are content creators who use reselling as their subject matter. That's not their primary business. Their primary business is YouTube. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, I okay. That's a very different thing because you're focused on you know, what can I source today that's going to make a good video, regardless of whether or not there's any real potential to sell it. You see that I, I feel like with the guys that do like the big pallet buys and whatever, or they, they will buy a bag or something that's damaged because they know it's going to make a good video on how to fix it with not much forethought into what they're going to do with it afterwards, if that makes sense. And like I said, it may be a controversial mm -hmm. opinion, but I feel like there, there's two different camps in that kind of social media, YouTube space. What, what are your thoughts on that? Am I crazy? <laughs> no, I, I, that's interesting. I, I haven't thought about it that way for myself, but I do think there are creators out there that do that. Um, you know, if that's your jam, then who, who am I to right. criticize I you? But... I don't have any fault with either of those. Yeah. But, you know, you're more concerned about whether the content is useful and informational for somebody that's watching it. And the, you know, the editing portion of it is kind of secondary where some of them put out some really flashy videos, but they're not necessarily all that helpful. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like... Actually, you hit you hit a very poignant point for me, which is that I take a lot of pride in my content being valuable and useful. You know, people are taking the time to watch it. I don't for a minute take that for granted. And that's that's probably why I'm not more prolific, frankly. 
um, because I don't put something out just because I need to be doing that for the Instagram algorithm or the TikTok algorithm. I will be as slow as I need to be, but every video I put out will be some kind of value to the watcher or viewer. Um, And I think that has worked in my favor over time. I think the people that follow me love my content because they know every time they see something from me, it's quality. Um, It's it's something. Yes. Genuine being authentic is so important to me. I would value that more over being entertaining, being inflammatory, being controversial. Um, You know, it would be nice to get all those extra views, wouldn't it? (laughs) Listen, I, my goal is to get to 10,000 subscribers or followers on Instagram, but just so that I can get some of the features that come with that so yeah. that I can provide more for my community and my followers, not before it's not any kind of vanity metric for me. Um, and it's been a slow grind. Let me tell you, I'm close on TikTok. I'm close. Right. But on Instagram, I, it's it's hard to figure out like what gets your content seen and moved. Yeah. And right now, I'm just really depending on people loving what they see and it being you know valuable enough that they'll share it with somebody. Right. I I also noticed no no content on your YouTube channel. Now why <laughs> did was there content there before and you took it down, or why are you not like cross posting? the TikTok and Instagram stuff as YouTube shorts, or was that a conscious decision or uh, tell me a little bit about that? I am frankly a little bit scared of YouTube. <laughs> I don't know why, because obviously TikTok and Instagram are quite public. Uh, YouTube, I always feel like YouTube really has to be well edited and well thought out. Like it's going to be on there for as long as you leave it up there and everyone can yeah. watch it. So I, I just, you know, my, my kind of like done is better than perfect attitude kind of goes out the window. And I feel like I, I need to, you know, really think about this and craft this and, you know, make it so that it's, it's a long format that's valuable for people to watch over and over again. And maybe I need to rethink that. Um, and YouTube shorts is relatively new, I believe. So it didn't even occur to me that I could take my Instagram reels and post them on YouTube, right? Could I do that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I don't <laughs> so know. There <laughs> there's, there's your educational tip for the day. Yeah. There's a lot of people doing just that. I guess there's even an app where you can remove the TikTok watermark before you transfer it over. And I don't, I'm not on TikTok, so I don't know all the details of that. But those formats are obviously all in competition with each other. But the idea of reaching as big an audience as you can YouTube is still a massive audience. And based on the content I see, particularly in the reselling space, I think you'll be just fine. Your stuff is actually really good. There's so much. Oh, thank not, you. Not to be whatever. There's just so much mediocre content on YouTube. You know, we, you see the big performers who have the really well edited videos and the super nice studios with the LED lighting and all that. And you're like, oh my God, I'm never going to be able to do that. But there's also the guy with the shaky handy cam or the GoPro in his basement making videos and doing just fine. So, uh, and your content is terrific. So thank you. That would be my recommendation. At least look into that. Okay. Fair, fair. Speaking of YouTube and social media, are, are there particular people that you follow that have been, you think very helpful for you and that are helpful for the community? Obviously you and I. Yeah. Yes. I love, um, 
Cosmic Heather in the reselling space. She does mostly toys and uh, health and beauty. And I do a little bit of health and beauty as well. That's mainly what I sell on eBay these days. Um, she, she's she been very inspirational. Talk about somebody who has a more quiet style, but again, every single one of her videos is so well edited and so thought out. Her information is just super uh, valuable, you know, especially if you are selling. I watch her mostly because I just like her style and I'm interested in right. some of the categories she sells, but she does a great job and she only puts out one video a month. And I love that. It was, I was like, wow, th here's a model for me possibly to do YouTube. You know, may I think maybe I could get my head around one video a month right. uh, at some point. So love her. Great YouTuber to follow. Cosmic Heather. Um, now, are, you, are we talking just YouTube or can I also talk about like some right. Instagram people? Any of those. Um, I love Thrift to Travel. She does have some YouTube videos, but... She's really active on Instagram and she does health and beauty as well. And she talks about um, like traveling to different countries and thrifting and bringing back things that you can't find here so easily. Um, a lot of it's health and beauty. She finds things that are like discontinued or sold out in the States and she purchases them and brings them back and then resells them for amazing profit. She does Amazon um, as well. If people are interested in that, she has a Instagram um, subscription that I hear is really good. So definitely love to shout her out. She's talk about somebody who provides content that's literally made people money. Um, Thrift to Travel is definitely someone who comes to mind. Gosh, there, there are so many good ones. Um, Do you watch a ton of like reseller content? Not on not on the, YouTube. Yeah, the the longer I've been in the space, it feels like the less of it I actually consume. When I first started, I was watching. I mean, it was just on when I was working. I had somebody on, and now it seems like I've kind of heard all of it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, where's the where's the fresh stuff? So. Gosh, I don't watch a ton of YouTubers, to be honest. And I know you love YouTube from what I've heard on your podcast. Um, I It's been hard for me to get into it. And, and I didn't even learn about reselling until I started watching other people's YouTubes. And I went, oh, God, I, people make money off of this. Like, I can do this full time. It's because right. I saw other people doing it. But that was... You know, I was so busy in my former corporate life that I really didn't have time to explore YouTube until... I left that world and started doing so. So I, I, I'm not a huge YouTuber person, but Instagram was always where I found new people and connected with them. Uh, and this is, of course, like before TikTok was like a the thing that it is now. Um, and what, will you do, what do you think you will do if if it all worse comes to worse and TikTok is banned in the U.S.? Do you think they'll ever get to that point? <laughs> I don't rely on TikTok in any way. And and frankly, most of my TikTok is just um, me recycling content from my Instagram. Um, what I have discovered is that there's really separate audiences. There's 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 like there's people who resonate with TikTok and they like that format and they like consuming content that way. And then there's your Instagrammers. They like consuming content that way. Um, so if it is banned, it's no skin off my back. Yeah. Um, I mean, 
the way things are going in the political arena right now, I would not be surprised <laughs> if they did ban it, frankly. So if anyone out there is relying or has content on there that they'd like to keep, I, I suggest getting a website like I did um, and just, you know, repurpose right. your content over there. Make sure that it's somewhere safe that you have access to that you own. Um, because really, you never know. But I thought it was very interesting how there's really two separate audiences. And I, I find that I have people that find me through TikTok and then people that find me through Instagram. And it's just, it's two different worlds almost. Um, I, it's, it's very interesting. You know, I'd love to see a study done on that, you know, by a scientist someday because it's it's really fascinating. Like it's just two different worlds. In, in what way do you find they're different? Uh, you know, I, the, the initial thing I think of is age breakdowns is, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, each one is generationally younger mm. and attention spans may be different where, you know, the TikTok, whatever, 60 second or less format really fits with them where Instagram was initially a photo platform. Anyway, yes. the video thing came much, much later, probably as a result of TikTok <laughs> taking their lunch a little bit. But what, what do you see as the differences? I think that it's the video content versus the static content initially, but I do agree with your generational um, like factors. Definitely. That's definitely a factor for sure. When I first started using TikTok, which I was against for a long time, um, I didn't like I didn't like the videos coming at me all the time. The sound had to be on. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm like sent more sensitive than other people in that way. I And even when Reels was new on Instagram, I was like, man, this is annoying. Like, am I going to have to like turn the sound off every time? You know, I don't always want to have things playing, uh, which, by the way, you should always have captions whether you're doing TikTok or Instagram for this reason. Um, it is more accessible to people who are hearing impaired, but most people listen, watch things with the sound off because it's just not always appropriate to have sound coming from your phone. So, because most people are working their real jobs and they're trying to, you know, watch TikTok on the uh, under their desk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you said you you got it. So, so for me, it was just like it was like wow, all this stimuli coming at me all of a sudden. Whereas with Instagram was more quieter, and I could like you know read things if I wanted to, I could watch things if I wanted to or not. You know, I miss the long format videos on Instagram um, before Reels. That was cool. I, that made me feel like, hey, maybe I don't ever need to start a YouTube channel because I can just do it all right here. Um, and I truly believe like that is the strength of that platform and, and what I hope they will lean into. Um, you know, I've, I've got family members who are still on like Snapchat. And I'm like, who's using Snapchat these days? Like, come on. Instagram is great. You've got stories, which is essentially Snapchat. You've got uh, Reels, which is essentially TikToks. You still got static and carousel posts. Um, and I think you can still even post long format videos like lives over there. So it, it's, you know, what I, I'm a big fan of like, keep it simple, reduce right. the steps. You know, that's why I chose to build my audience and community on Instagram because everything's there. Um, people will say to me, you know, will you do a YouTube? Will you do a Patreon? Maybe YouTube, you, you're kind of convincing me now today, but, um, you know, hopefully I'll hit 10K and I can do a subscriber platform on Instagram because my audience is already there and I don't want to 
go build assets on Patreon, and then finally get subscriptions right, right. on Instagram and then have to shift everybody over there again. You know, so I really think there's a lot of value at, as things become increasingly more convoluted, more complex. There's so much information coming at us daily. Um, customers, communities, clients, buyers will appreciate the simplicity of it's easy. It's all in one place. Um, I already know what I need to do and where I need to go. So that's what I'm kind of strategizing now and thinking will be the route that I'll take with my social media. So what long-term, what are your plans for social media and the reselling? Where would you like to be in two years, five years? I love reselling. It brings me so much joy, but I don't think it's going to be enough uh, without scaling to hit the goals that I want to hit financially. So I am already in the process of adding um, a second Etsy shop with digital assets, um, which I'll be talking about on my Instagram uh, probably in a couple of weeks. Um, that's another stream of revenue. I'm very interested in print on demand. I've been listening very closely to all of your uh, feedback and experience on your journey doing print on demand. I think that's another avenue I can explore um, YouTube potentially no, making no promises <laughs> when I have more time to dedicate to that. Right. Um, I, I still get some income from my freelance gigs, but that's not very steady. So in a couple of years, I'd really like to have an established um, digital assets and print on demand, making me hopefully like one to two K a month more, plus what I already do in reselling that would be fantastic. And if maybe a little bit down the line, I, I would consider either doing YouTubes and try to make revenue that way. Or um, I've also been really interested in UGC content creation. It's super hot right now. Um, I've been learning about that on TikTok and Instagram. And I'm thinking like, this is possibly something I could do. I already know a lot about creating um, content for the platforms for myself? Like, is there a way that I could do this part-time from home um, for other brands and make a couple of grand that way? Um, I think eventually that would be fantastic. And that way I get to do everything that I love. I get to resell. I get to, you know, continue to work on my excess baggage brand and social media. And I get to also hit my financial goals. Right. Um, and, and just you get like to take naps. And yeah. The, the day. If you choose, that's for me, that's the, the beauty of this whole thing, the owning your time. We are of one mind on that. I, I can't stress enough how put off I am by hustle culture. It's, it's, I wanted to get away from that. If I wanted to get a, as much as I could out of every dime, every minute of my day, I would have just right. stayed in my old career. Uh, and frankly, they weren't doing a very good job of that anyway. <laughs> you know, um, I, 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 yeah, I, I, it, to me, success is owning my time, taking a nap when I want, taking a day off when I want, you know, uh, completely shifting my plans if all of a sudden it's a beautiful day and I want to go right. to the beach uh, or somebody, a friend comes to town and wants to do lunch and I can drop what I'm doing and right. go and I can just get it done later, or get it done tomorrow. Nobody's right going to criticize me or penalize me. Like that is success to me. Like, yep. I mean, enjoying the seasons 
is something that I'm doing more now than I've ever have before when I was working my corporate job, going to an office every day, sitting in a bus, sitting in the subway. Uh, You know, I was so disconnected from the natural rhythms of life. And I've spent the last three years reconnecting with all of that. Um, you asked me earlier about my day and and one of the things I'm prioritizing daily is uh, going on walks, my physical health. Um, I do yoga now one to two times a week. Um, I'm, tr- I'm looking to do more. I need to get some kind of a, a weight class in there at some point. But those were things that I tried to incorporate before, but it was so stressful. Um, I, I was I would go to the gym on my lunch break and then I'd get flack from my boss because I was, you know, 10 minutes late back. And, you know, it's like, hey, I, I was going to a gym class to like stay healthy, you know, get endorphins, release stress, improve my mental health, like all those things helped me in my job. But yeah, yeah. you're making it this like angsty thing that I need to like, oh, better hurry back to work, you know, can't get in trouble. Like, all the corporate employers are really big about, uh, you know, the the work-life balance and taking care of your mental health, but they do absolutely nothing, most of them, to support you in your efforts to do that. They, Like you say, they criticize you, you're two minutes late back or whatever. Um, this has been fantastic for me, the same kind of thing. You know, at one o'clock in the afternoon, it's a 75 degrees and sunny. You know what? There's five more listings I want to get done today. I'll do them later. I'll, I'm going to go enjoy the day and do whatever. So that has been huge. Absolutely. It, there's no price for me. I can't imagine going back to work for anyone else in the same capacity that I was before. And and, I, and believe me, I've had calls. I've had recruiters, sure. um, you know, wanting me to come back and work for so-and-so. And I, I won't even go three days a week into the office. If it's two, I'll do two or less is what I would consider. Yeah. Um, but frankly, I, I don't want to leave the house. It's just the benefits of, <laughs> listen, the money I save not commuting into the city. Sure. Um, and for viewers and listeners, I'm outside of New York City here. Um, that's a significant amount of money. In fact, the um, the New York transit system is set to raise their uh, transit costs again in August. Um, the time that it takes to get was, in. Yeah, I was just going to say Lord the time. Almighty. Is you're, you're supposed to be there for whatever, nine hours, not counting your lunch. And then you've got an hour, or an hour and 10 minute commute each way. All of a sudden, you don't have time to do anything else because it's all tied up with just getting back and forth and working. And now my commute is 30 seconds down the steps to the basement and here I am and I can do whatever, you know, it's just, it makes such a difference. I joked, I think on my show not too long ago where sometimes I feel guilty. Like I'll work six hours and feel like, man, I should probably work a couple more hours. And then I think, well, I didn't spend any time standing around the coffee machine, BSing with the guys and, you know, wasting time while I was at work when I'm here, mm-hmm. that six hours is all productive work. So I'm getting as much done as I would in an eight or nine hour day anyway. And then I go and take my walk. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm the same way. I, I, I can be hyper focused for a couple of hours and get a ton done. And then I might be done for the rest of the day. That's not sustainable when you work a nine to five and you're right. supposed to be like productive and working all day long. Um, and nobody, nobody cares. Nobody accommodates for that. We're all supposed to be the same robot, you know, going to a job. And 
uh, I, I just said enough with that. I, it's it's worth the risk to me. And I have people all the time in my family that approach me and they say, you know, right. I, you're doing it. You're you have a business. You know, I'm jealous, and I'm just like, you can do this too. Like anyone who wants to can do this. This is available to people. <laughs> it, it is available, but I'm not. I wouldn't be convinced that everyone is equipped to do it because I, I have a friend who shall remain nameless that I work with <laughs> and he took a job with another company, but his, he was going to be working from home and he just completely lacked enough self-discipline to stay on task and work from home. He was distracted by the kid and the dogs and the TV and the whatever. Mm. And he, he made it less than two months and he had to go back into an office type environment. So not everybody, whatever has the skill set or the self-discipline to do this. Uh, everybody certainly has the opportunity, but I think it takes a special breed. You've got to have some guts and belief in yourself to go out mm. on your own and, you know, take that risk of sacrificing that steady paycheck, no matter how mindless the job might be. Yeah, that's true. You know, every Friday I'm going to get a check for X amount. And in this business, like we talked about offline, and you might go a couple of days sometimes and not really make much money. And you just yeah. have to have that self-belief that it's going to come, that you're doing the work and making the right moves to make things happen. And not everybody can do that. So kudos to those of you out there and obviously to you who can make that work. <laughs> fair, fair points, fair points. And, and uh, you know, you're right. It definitely, especially if you have kids or health insurance is a big factor for you, it may not be as accessible to you. You're absolutely right. So if you had one mistake that you've made or one piece of advice that you could give for somebody who's just tuning in and says, you know, and I want to, I do want to try this. I want to get into the reselling thing. What would be something that you would tell them to either do or to avoid doing that you would mm -hmm. think would help their journey? I think have a support system is really important. Um, Talk to your partner, talk to your family, your kids, whoever you have in your life um, and have a support system. Because like you said, there's days that you have really low sales or no sales. There's months that are better than others. There's years that are better than others. It's it is a masterclass in learning to regulate yourself, learning to deal with uncertainty, uncomfortability. However, the rewards on the other side of that are enormous, valuable. So having a support system that can come in on those days where you've made mistakes, it's not going the way you planned, you haven't made any sales, um, that's been super valuable and helpful to me. And also, you know, Figure out what what you can do, what and you're having your toolbox for supporting yourself. Um, maybe you're having a bad day. There's no sales. You you'll go on a long walk, or you'll take yourself out for coffee, or maybe your partner takes you out for dinner, or makes you dinner, or maybe it's just a bubble bath and a book. Um, you know, bring out the adult coloring books, put on right. your favorite podcast. <laughs> um, you know, it's like having a way to deal with like the uncertainty is super, super valuable because if you can weather the storm, right. you can make it to the other side and you get stronger and stronger every time. I think you would agree as well. When you're building a business, it's hard. It's not easy. 
um, it's, it's still work, but it's work on your terms. And if that's valuable to you and you can support yourself through the uncertain times, man, it is gold over here. Yeah. Yeah. This is easily the best thing I've done in my career. And I've, I've had some, uh, arguably some great jobs and whatever, but this has been the most rewarding almost four years now yeah. um, of my work life. I, I, I'm ashamed to say I waited until 53 to figure it out, but here I am. <laughs> no, it's never too late. And, and, and listen, I, I'm with you. I, I've never been happier. When I worked my corporate jobs, I was angry all the time. It was all these politics going on. My bandwidth was shot. I have never been happier. My mental health has never been where it is today. I'm more resilient. I'm more able to deal with challenges. Um, I'm more able to have joy. Like, you know, I can enjoy nature. I can make my lunch at home in peace. I, I am not wasting my bandwidth, like you said, at the water cooler or commuting into work or looking busy. That was a big one for me. I still look busy when there was nothing to do. (laughs) Um, I get to do things for me. And I mean, everyone who knows me has said, has remarked on how much I've flourished, how much happier I am in these past three years. So, you know, if you're able to, I encourage you to go for it. What, how did you make the decision? Were you doing this part time, uh, kind of on the side with your thing and then just jumped in? Or did you just decide one day, you know what, I'm done with this? And Well, truthfully, in in good universal fashion, the universe was always pointing me in this direction. I just didn't know it. Um, I've been selling on eBay for as where I started back in 2004. And it was a completely different thing back then, as many of you know. Um, But I was selling things on the side because I had loans to pay back for school. And between the paycheck that I was getting, I wasn't there wasn't really much left to live off of after I paid my monthly um, dues. So I started reselling on the side to make money to do, you know, what buy food and do things that I wanted to do. Um, and as a designer, I increasingly had access to samples, showroom samples, um, sample sales. And yeah. sometimes I would end up with like a box of bags or wallets and I'd be like, well, I don't need 30 of the same wallet. <laughs> uh, let me throw these up on eBay for 25 bucks a pop. And right. they all sold. And, you know, from then on, whenever I had something, I would sell it. And, you know, it went like that for a few years. And, I didn't know that it, that that was a way, there was a way to make a living. I didn't know that right. that was, I, I don't know. I just, I, I, you know, information didn't reach us that fast back then. Yeah. <laughs> so um, one year um, I was working for a company that closed and they had a ton of things that they weren't able to sell and they were giving them away all to the employees. And that should have been, the biggest like clarion call to like, Hey, maybe you should try doing this full time. But I, I wasn't there yet. I, I had a ton of stuff from that and I was slowly selling it on eBay very casually, a couple listings a month, you know, when I had time on the weekends and when I was ready to 
transition out of the corporate fashion world, I was getting samples all the time from the company that I was at. Um, they were making more than they could sell at the sample sales that we were making more than, you know, we could get rid of. So uh, I would just have so many bags and I started going, you know what, I'm going to start like intentionally getting more and like storing them in my parents' basement and then just selling them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And at that point I started realizing I want to get out of this. I want to do something else. I discovered other resellers on YouTube and I started realizing like what Goodwill has an outlet. Um, People are doing this full time. Kids are doing this full time. You know, I was in my early thirties at that point. And I'm like, these young kids are making tens of thousands of dollars doing this. Well, like I could do that. And, um, I I let same experience. I was, I was wanting to get out of the business I was in and I stumbled down the YouTube rabbit hole of resellers. And I, again, not to be whatever I was watching some of them. And I'm like, if these guys can do that with my background, I'm going to kill it. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So many of us did that. And, I, you know, I like you, I was like, if they could do it, I could do it. And I, you know, I I didn't have the vision that I have for it now, but I just got into it because I just knew anything's better than what I'm doing right, right now. I paid off my loans. That was a big factor that also allowed me to sure. shift. Uh, I didn't feel that pressure of like, I have to have a steady paycheck because I have these loans I need to pay back. Um, I paid them back about the one year before I spent a year saving Um, and then I left that job and I was deciding if I was going to do this full time or go back to another job full time. And then COVID hit, that was early 2020. And that was a weird blessing in disguise for me because I took that as a sign of like, you know what, I'm, I'm, nobody's hiring. I'm home all day. Like, let's take this and run. And I did. And I just started consuming content like crazy, learning from everybody. Um, I did a mentorship group online with a bunch of other ladies that were amazing. I learned a ton from them. And I slowly started realizing that like, I liked doing clothes. I liked doing bags too. I thought I was maybe a little tired of that, but the ladies in the group really encouraged me to like lean into that. And that became the focus of my Instagram and my social media. And I really learned to find my voice and my niche that way. Um, And things just kind of like spiraled from there. You know, now I have a consult service. I never thought I'd have that. Um, I am doing these other digital assets that I said I'll be talking about in a couple of weeks. Um, just, it's just funny, but when it's right, when things come together and they align with your values, you feel it, you you feel the flow, you feel the, the providence. I don't know, maybe this is a little woo woo (laughs) here, but like, I I don't know how else to explain it. Like it, it feels things are coming together and they're happening for me. And I don't even have to make that much of an effort. It's amazing. Well, it's you probably beautiful. are. It just doesn't feel like it because you you love it. You enjoy what you're. My mom says this to me all the time. You love what you're doing. It doesn't feel like work. You put in the time, you know, rehabbing the bag and making the TikTok and the doing what. But it doesn't. That doesn't feel like a job. It just feels like something you want to do, and it just happens to be the job, and that makes all the difference in the world. Yeah, you know, I never understood that until now. And and listen, I, I don't want listeners to think that there aren't days where this is work for me because there are definitely days where I don't feel like doing some of this and I have to do it anyway. But most of the time, the feeling that I have is I'm tired, but 
I'm so excited to film this video. I, I just got back from sourcing and I cannot wait to get these things right. listed. This dress is gorgeous. This bag is going to flip for so much. Like I can't wait to show my followers this. Like it's a lot more of that and a lot smaller portion of like, man, I got to get my listings out today or like, oh, I got to do shipping. But all I want to do is like, you know, go out into the garden and relax. Yeah. So, you know, to me, though, those are all signs that like I'm in the right place and I'm doing something that is fulfilling and meaningful to me. And I really can't ask for more than that. You know, that's what I was hoping to get from my previous corporate career. And, um, you know, that was a very expensive lesson. <laughs> <laughs> well, but at least you learned it and have moved on into something bigger and better. So uh, with that, I think that's probably as good a place as any to wrap this up. If you could just remind everybody where they can find you. Sure. You can find me on Instagram, TikTok. I have a Facebook page and group, which is free to join. Um, a, uh, I'm on Grailed. I'm on Depop. You can find me over on my website. Um, and let's see, did I forget anything? There's so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm very active on Instagram. So if people um, are interested in learning more, um, definitely head over to the Instagram. Um, and if you are watching my content and you're wondering where I'm listing, Poshmark, everything will definitely be on there. Um, gosh, what else? I think I think that's it, Ryan. I, I'm just I've had so much fun today talking to great. you. It's it's been surreal. Um, please keep doing your podcast. I love it. I look forward to it every week. I I, I know what's going on in the news world because I hear your <laughs> wonderful recaps. Um, and I share it on my social media all the time because I definitely don't think you are getting the credit you deserve. Um, so, but just like Neither keep going, <laughs> <laughs> keep going that people love your work. I'm telling you, just, just keep doing what you're doing. You're going to get there. I appreciate it. I yeah. kind of like you with how you got started. I'm not, there were, there's some things that just don't work for me being like super whatever, over the top and doing the, you know, the garage sales and the estate sale videos. That's just stuff that doesn't work for me. This is mm -hmm. a format that I enjoy doing. So, and the people who do consume it seem to really like it. So we're going to keep running with it. <laughs> Amazing. I can't wait. I can't wait to hear more. So I appreciate very much you taking some time out today uh, to share with our listeners. Thank you to everyone who watched. If you got something out of this, please do me a favor. If you like this video, Yes. Thumbs up button. Uh, if you're not currently a subscriber to the channel or a follower of the podcast, please consider doing those things as well. And be sure to follow uh, Excess Baggage as well. With that, we're going to wrap it up. Thank you all so much. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And now it's time to sell. Thanks, guys. You have been listening to the Galaxy CDs Rocks and Flips Reseller Talk podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. And we will catch you again next time.